0: Hey everyone, welcome to Taking the Pulse. I'm Heather Hoops Matthews here with Nexon Pruitt, healthcare attorney Derek Coleman. Derek, good to be with you again. Great to see you. Now, last time we recorded these podcasts, you were virtual, and that's because you had a child come down with COVID. Correct. Tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind.
1: Well, I can tell you we've been quarantined multiple times in the last year, and this time was definitely different because my 11 year old son was ill with COVID. And it was very difficult to watch a kid who um, just a few days prior had been playing three sports with no problem suddenly was sleeping, you know, 18 to 20 hours a day. And we had a very mild case by comparison, no respiratory issues really, but the fatigue and constant headaches were his primary symptoms. But thankfully, we're on the other side of it now. Um, It definitely gave me a, a different perspective as a parent Um, But it also helped me appreciate the value of faith and appreciate really the kindness of my neighbors and friends who were very supportive of us because it's very difficult anytime you're quarantined. um, But when you're quarantined and afraid, it's different. So our guest today can touch upon the value of faith and how that really helps people when they're going through a difficult time.
0: Yes, you're exactly right. I'm excited about today's guest She unfortunately knows the devastation of COVID, but Reverend Stacy Lawton of the Medical University of South Carolina also knows what can bring great comfort. So stay with us up next on Taking the Pulse. Welcome back everyone. Today on Taking the Pulse, we're fortunate to have with us Reverend Stacy Lawton of MUSC. Reverend Lawton serves as the clinical staff chaplain and is an ordained Baptist minister endorsed by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. She is also the author of the 2015 book, I love this, Being Called Chaplain, How I Lost My Name and Eventually Found My Faith. Reverend Lawton, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Could you describe a typical day for a hospital chaplain prior to COVID? Take us back before COVID because I know we'll spend the rest of the time talking about COVID, but take us back before and how did patients, staff, families access your services?
2: Um, A typical day is kind of hard to describe. There's not really one. We are very much crisis driven most of the time. So we go where we are called. Um, We get calls from doctors, nurses, other staff very often, because maybe a patient has just gotten a a life-changing diagnosis and the doctor or nurse can put in a spiritual care consult so that we can talk with them um, about that. A patient's family member may be screaming and crying in the hallway and security calls us to go with them to see how we can help bring calm and comfort to that situation. Um, Or a family may request us because they are facing decisions about whether to leave their loved one on life support and want to talk through the implications of that in terms of their religious beliefs. Or a new doctor might call us because she's going to make her first death notification to a patient's spouse and wants our support for her as well as for the spouse. Um, So we get those kinds of calls. We are also part of the trauma team. So every trauma that comes into the emergency room, car accidents, shootings, stabbings, those kinds of things, we're automatically there. Um, But if those kinds of emergency calls are not happening, then we would um, in pre-COVID days be making rounds on the units, just sort of checking in with staff. Are there any patients that we need to be aware of? Anybody who might need a visit? Um, And then going through the waiting rooms, you know, um, touching base with families there, especially outside the ICUs and the operating room to check in with those family members. So really what MUSC understands is that healthcare needs to focus on the whole person, not just the physical aspect, but we know that emotional and spiritual health definitely impacts physical health. So there are lots of different reasons that a chaplain might be called and um, lots of different ways that people could access spiritual care.
1: Reverend Lawton, how did COVID transform your role within the MUSC framework? How did families, patients, and staff members access your care after the pandemic hit? Because access health care access to all those services drastically changed after the pandemic um, commenced last march
2: for just like for everybody life sort of changed overnight for us last march and um, for a while there was no visitation at musc at all so those waiting rooms were completely empty it was really eerie and um, for a while if you remember there were a lot of delays with testing for covid Mm -hmm. so when it might take days to get results um, early on. So now we can do rapid tests on any patient who comes into the emergency room and know within minutes if they're COVID positive or not. But um, especially early on, any patient who came in to the emergency room especially was treated as if they had COVID because we just didn't know. Um, And every effort was made to limit the number of people who came in contact with them in order to preserve PPE for fear of shortages there. And just to reduce the risk of spreading the viruses, um, the virus, um, a lot of therapeutic services were moved to virtual visits, and those people worked from home. And at some hospitals, chaplains went to all virtual visits, working from home. But at MUSC, um, chaplains were kept in house, thankfully. Although half of us and hundreds of other MUSC employees were furloughed for a while during um, COVID, but we were told from the beginning getting not to go into rooms of suspected or confirmed COVID patients. And every hospital has different policies around this. I do not envy the administrators who had to make these decisions anywhere. Um, But the thinking at MUSC was that we could potentially be vectors of infection. We have such a small number of chaplains for a large campus and every one of us works all over campus. So 10 minutes after I leave the COVID unit, I might get called to the neonatal ICU to visit with the parents of a fragile premature baby or get called to the oncology unit for a cancer patient with a compromised immune system. So I respect the the wisdom of those policies that decided that we need to limit chaplains exposure. Um, And these days, all patients who are not COVID, active COVID infection can have two designated visitors for the time that they're in the hospital. So there are at least some people in the waiting areas for us to see again. And more visitors often are allowed at the nurse's discretion around end of life situations um, for dying patients who don't have COVID. And as chaplains, we are now even more intentional than ever about making rounds um, on the units and checking in with the staff, not just to ask if there are any patients we need to see, but to ask, how are you doing? Um, you know, What are the stresses that you're facing right now? What are you thankful for right now? Where do you see hope? How are you caring for yourself? And how can we as the chaplains support you in that? So we still get the crisis calls, but we're also more proactive in keeping close relationships with staff.
0: All of this seems incredibly difficult to me, Dara. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Reverend Lawton, what, what among all that has been the biggest challenge for you during the pandemic?
2: The constant changes in policy and protocol, especially early on were very stressful for everyone in the hospital to adapt to just as we were learning more about the virus and trying to keep everyone safe. Um, There was a very real fear of of taking it home with me and getting my husband or my kids sick. And that was the same for everybody on staff. Um, But also so much of our job as chaplains is about being a caring presence. And that's really hard to do when you can't be physically with someone. Hold their hand during a prayer or place a hand on their shoulder as they're crying offer them kleenex that kind of thing it it really breaks my heart having to visit with covid patients on a video screen as they pour out their fears and their loneliness or stand with their loved ones grieving outside a glass door of a pressurized room that only the nurse can enter in full PPE and saying a last prayer with the family before life support is turned off. That's a really helpless feeling more than I've had in almost 13 years as a
1: chaplain at MUSC. Well, you just touched upon something that um, I think is probably one of the moments in life when a faith leader is most important to a family and that is at the end of life. Um, Reverend Lawton, can you touch upon what protocols were implemented for COVID patients when you're in that critical moment, when you know the end of life is near and the family has had to make that determination, um, what can you do as a hospital chaplain to support those family members of a a COVID patient when when that moment is there? Yeah, as I said, in most situations,
2: if the patient has active COVID infection, um, chaplains and family members are not allowed in the room that's how it's been for the past year. Um, exceptions have been made a few times for Catholic patients who really wanted um, sacrament of the sick, what's sometimes called last rites. We have one Catholic chaplain on staff. And um, so when we got those calls, Father Bosco would you know, explain to the family how Pope Francis had said there were exceptions for COVID patients and plenary indulgences granted, but understandably, some families still wanted that physical ritual. It was important to them. So in those cases, Father Bosco would speak with the nurse about getting the proper PPE and and go into the room. These days, thankfully, we are seeing fewer active COVID um, infection patients, but what we are seeing more are patients who had COVID months ago, maybe, and now are back with um, some sort of respiratory infection, something like that, that may be pre-COVID, they would have been able to fight off, but they have what the medical staff calls post-COVID lungs. And so those things, they're not able to survive at this point because of the damage that was done by COVID, you know, m- maybe months ago. Um, so the one positive thing in those cases is that because the patient is not actively on COVID precautions anymore, the family can at least be there with them. Um, and there's also been a very recent positive policy change at MUSC that now in end-of-life situations for patients with active COVID, that two visitors are allowed in the room in full PPE for no more than 20 minutes. Um, And that was um, a policy that was developed for a lot of reasons, but partly because it was just so distressing for the staff to have to prevent these families from being there to say goodbye when we are all used to doing everything we can to facilitate that and make it meaningful and comfortable as possible for the families so we're all doing our best to find the balance of safety and compassion Um, it's hard everyone is exhausted and there's there's certainly a light at the end of the tunnel now as more people um, are getting vaccinated and we're seeing new infections go down but we are not out of the woods yet so everyone please continue to mask and social distance and get vaccinated when it's your turn
0: well, I'm grateful that you and Father Bostick and others didn't just say, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to press on. Of course, I, I know intellectually that's probably never, you would never consider that. But I, listening to how difficult this is, I'm thankful that you didn't. Um, what about for patients now that you're seeing who are non-COVID, are they asking for chaplain services more? Are you seeing any trends, uh, you know, just because I think people's motions are just raw after this year?
2: Yeah, especially when there were no visitors allowed. We did see an increase in requests from patients who were just lonely, really, and, and needed someone to sit with them and talk um, but really just sit with them and listen. Uh, I love the quote from pastoral theologian, David Augsburger, that being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. Um, and it's so true, really, truly listening to someone with no agenda, no judgments without bringing your own anxiety and emotions into it. It's, it's hard and holy work. And that's a big part of what we do. Um, So we definitely have seen an increase in those types of visits and there have also been, at least in my experience, more people just looking for reassurance in the midst of fear. Um, A global pandemic is something that none of us had ever seen in our lifetime and that brought so much uncertainty and fear. Patients and staff afraid of them or their loved ones getting very sick from COVID people afraid of losing their jobs um, or their source of income because of the economic impact of shutdowns and just afraid of what might happen next. You know, things that had seemed unthinkable before last March have just become routine over the last year. So it's like, if that could happen, what else could possibly happen? Everything just feels so uncertain suddenly. So um, I've gotten a lot of calls from patients and family members looking for answers to what does it all mean and what can we really count on um, in these times. And my job is not to give them my answers, but to help them find their own um, within their own belief system and their own internal sources of strength and meaning. And I want to let them know also that they're not alone as they're asking the questions and that there's no shame in it. Um, fear is not the opposite of faith. You know, there's, I think there's a reason that every time God or one of God's messengers appears to people in the Bible, the first thing they say is fear not. And it's because God understands that we'll need
1: to keep hearing it. Right, right. I'm just curious, you know, with only nine full-time chaplains in an organization as large as MUSC with a diversity of needs as great as those you've just described, how do you and your team maintain your source of hope and your source of energy so that you can continue to serve those who need your support?
2: Yeah, it's not always easy for sure, Um, but we are good at supporting one another um, on our team. We take calls for one another at times when there's more than one chaplain on campus and um, debrief with each other after a particularly hard shift or particularly hard visit when, when the chaplain needs a chaplain, you know, so I'm thankful for that. And It's great knowing that I don't have to worry about my patients when I leave at the end of my shift because I trust the next chaplain coming on fully to take care of them. And I always pray on my way home and entrust them to God as well. Um, I make sure that my days off are really days off and do things that I enjoy, whether that's taking a long walk with my dog or sitting and reading on the porch swing, watching a funny movie with my husband or playing silly games with the kids, just really unplugging Um, I keep a gratitude journal and I try to meditate regularly and I have a wonderful counselor that I've been seeing for years and I'm thankful to be able to still see her virtually through this. Um, I highly recommend anyone in any kind of caring profession really um, have a counselor, but I think most of us could benefit from that.
0: What, let's end, we're we're running out of time, though we could ask you a lot of questions. Let's end on a positive um, note. Tell me, what is your favorite part about being a hospital chaplain?
2: Absolutely. My favorite part is all the stories. You know, I meet people at some of the most critical points in their life story, sometimes at the very beginning or the very end, and sometimes the point where life changes forever. Um, I get to work with all kinds of people who are so different from one another and so different from me and learn how our stories are really not that different. It's a privilege to hear those stories and reflect back to the one telling it where I see the hope and beauty in it because there's always hope to be found even at the very worst parts of our stories. Um, That's what I've found in my own hard times and what I believe for everyone I meet in the hospital. Um, One of my favorite Bible verses is in 2 Corinthians chapter one and it says that God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. That's why I love what I do. And um, as one ER nurse said, your job is to stand there and be a reminder that God is in the middle of this mess with us.
0: Mm. That's really good. And I can tell that you like your job. I think you might need to mm-hmm. follow up a second book, like 2022, how, you know, life through a pandemic and beyond or something. Mm-hmm. May I throw that out there? I think she might be working on one, actually. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Reverend Stacy Lawton with MUSC. Thank you so much for, again, for what you do, your good work, uh, f- and for joining us today on Taking the Pulse. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you. That's heavy stuff. Good stuff, but heavy stuff, Dara. I didn't Isn't really think about the day-to-day being called from here to there, having a baby, losing a spouse, gunshot wound. COVID. COVID.
1: Yes. And and worrying that you're a vector of infection. It's, inc- right. it's just absolutely incredible. And so these caretakers of the caregivers and of the patients have to have an incredible wealth of strength and faith to keep them going. And so I think it's so important um, for us to highlight these chaplains who are unseen. Um, They're always in the hospital, always moving around, but we don't see them and we don't think about um, how important their role is in sustaining, not just, the well-being of the families and the patients, but the caretakers who are the frontline workers. Um, One of the interesting things that Stacy said that I think is just so important is how there was a transition um, with COVID from providing some of the services to the patients, really to the staff members to check in in a proactive way to say, Mm -hmm. how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, Because we've heard over and over about the potential for burnout. Right. From the pandemic, so right. I'm I'm really grateful for the work um, of Reverend Lawton, um, whom I'm fortunate to know as a friend. Yes. and so I I'm, I'm glad you invited her today. I'm I'm so very fortunate um, to know her personally, and I'm so grateful for the work that she's doing at MUSC, mm-hmm. and for all the hospital chaplains um, around the country right. um, who are doing the work like she is doing there. Yeah. It's, it's critical. Very, it's a very tough, but a very good work. Absolutely.
0: On behalf of Darren and everybody on the Taking the Pulse crew, we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We hope you also keep the faith, uh, press on, and we look forward to catching you on next time on the next edition of Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast.